All right, we were nearing the very end of Genesis 22 last last time we met, and we had uh, Genesis 22 is one of those monumental chapters. Um, it's where, if you remember. Abraham and his son Isaac went up to the mountain uh, to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And God had called Abraham to sacrifice his own son upon the altar. Um, And we saw how Abraham was ready and willing to do it. And yet the Lord stayed his hand and provided uh, an offering of his own instead. And so we see really Isaac being redeemed um, out of God's judgment. Um, And, uh, you know, so that's kind of where we left off. And, And afterwards, we saw God speak to Abraham again. Renewing the covenant promise with Abraham. Um, so if you're if you're in Genesis 22, look, look at verse 15. It said, "And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore." And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And so we see God renewing this covenant with Abraham. Um, And we, we talked about this last time. You know, what does it mean to possess the gates of your enemies and um, and we kind of reference Samson there, um, how he tore off the gates of the Philistines and, and carried them up a hill. Um, and we see how the gates of hell cannot withstand God's church as well. We reference that as well. Um, And so we do see this promise to Abraham being fulfilled, not only in the Old Testament, but even today through his church. Um, And that leads us to verse 20 in this chapter. Um, So let's finish this chapter off, and then we may jump into 23 as well today. Um, We'll see how long the end of this chapter takes us. Um, So verse 20, now after these things, it was told to Abraham... Behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Reuma, bore Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. 
And, and so basically what we see going on here is a, a genealogy, genealogical list, right? Um, and I just want to ask you, do these verses seem out of place to you? <laughs> yes. And we just had this great story, right? Um, and it, it almost seems like there should have been a chapter break there, doesn't it? But you know, in my thinking, mm -hmm. the verses in 15 through 19, mm -hmm. it, it pours, they, they pour forth. Um, and even the Lord says, because you have surrendered, in other words, to me, the Lord says, there's an abundance that I'm going to pour forth on your behalf. For your sake, mm -hmm. your offspring's sake, and in essence, for humankind's sake. So in, in a way, after God says, renews, mm -hmm. it only stands to reason that he then gives us a genealogy because in there is Rebecca. Yeah. There's Rebecca. Yeah, I'm glad you noticed her name. Oh. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah. so it's actually just a further outpouring of God's reality in what he has planned. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting these verses because it, it, if you turn back to Genesis 11 and we're jumping back a ways here. Let's see if I can find it. Um that sticks, right? Um, so Genesis 11, uh, verse 27 says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Um, I don't know if you remember way back when we started the book of Genesis, I, I talked about kind of some of the themes that run through Genesis, and one of the themes is this word generations, right? Um, Genesis actually uh, stems from that word. The Greek word genea means generations um, or genealogy. Um, and so Genesis really means genealogies, beginnings, genealogies, where do things come from? Um, and Throughout Genesis, we get these different genealogies throughout. And so there's kind of like a, a, a new genealogy or a new section that started up in Genesis. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And, and it goes, goes on further. This is almost a, a continuation of that same genealogy, but... You know, what, what are we, 11 chapters later? Um, and it's almost like a closing off of a section, if that makes sense. 
Um, and so, you know, now after these things, it was told to Abraham, behold, Milcah has also born children to your brother Nahor. Nahor was one of the sons of Terah, right? Um, and then we go through this genealogy. Um, and so part of it is kind of a closing off of a section, of a long section that we've been in. Uh, another reason that this is here, and this is what you mentioned, Lorraine, there's a name in here that should be recognizable to all of us. And what is that name? Rebecca. Rebecca. In fact, it's out of all the children that are named here, she's the only daughter that's mentioned. I doubt she was the only daughter, right? right? Um, yet, you know, the way genealogies work, you, you rarely reference the daughters. You would always reference the sons. Um, and, and so there's a reason this is put right here. Now, what just happened right before this? Well, there was the birth of Isaac and also the, the almost sacrifice of Isaac, right? And so just as we see Isaac being pushed in the prominence uh, and we see him being redeemed by God, well, what is he redeemed unto? Further generations. Further generations. And we see mention of his future wife. Um, and, and so there's, there's a reason behind this. Um, and it will come into play uh, pr pretty, pretty quickly. Now, now chapter 23 goes into the death of Sarah, um, and we'll deal with that. But then after that, we're going to delve more into Isaac and his life and what God has in, in store for him. Um, but these, these genealogies, they're, they're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. Um, and we need to pay attention to them. Sometimes we kind of just read over them. It's like, okay, there's a bunch of names I can't pronounce. And uh, <laughs> who are these guys? You, know, you never mention um, Pildash again. Why is he mentioned here? You know? <laughs> you, know you know, like you said, it's a bookend. The, the genealogy is, mm -hmm. a, is a bookend. It's kind of like a closure, a chapter ending. And yet, in that comes this little thread mm -hmm. that never ends. Yeah. And the genealogies do that. They close off the past, but they leave a thread, and I think Rebecca is somewhat re reminiscent of the Eve in 315, mm -hmm. through the seed of a woman, yep. there's going to come, and so in the name of Rebecca, there's hope here. We don't, we don't know it, you know, the readers for the first time don't have, but we, by grace, looking back and see that there's a thread there. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's good that you, you, you hearken back to Eve as well because that's where we see the promise, right? Exactly. Um, that through the offspring of the woman. And so you're reading through this, 
oh, well, who's the only woman mentioned here? Rebecca. Um, maybe our hope comes through her. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. 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 All right. A any thoughts uh, on this genealogy before we move forward to uh, chapter 23? All right. I've come to appreciate genealogy. You know, it's a new question I did. Uh-huh. And I look for the familiar names as the genealogies are put forth in the scriptures. Yeah. I've come to appreciate them. Yeah, and, and what's what's also cool about genealogies is, you know, you think about it, and there's there are a bunch of names that, you know, this is the only time they'll ever be mentioned in Scripture, you know. Um, you know, he, he, Hazo, um, Uz, Uz, I don't know how you pronounce that, Buzz. <laughs> but, you know, you think about it, their names are mentioned in Scripture. How cool is that? Um, you know, my name's not. <laughs> you know, there's some not of us. Name, yeah. Yeah, not, you know, not by name, but your ancestors are. Well, sure. All of our ancestors <laughs> yeah, in here. See. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let's let's look at look at chapter twenty three. Um, says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for bear for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of, out of my sight. We'll, we'll pause there for a second. Um, so here we get the, the, the death of Sarah. And how old was Sarah when she died? 127 years old. Yeah. Um, and so she lived a long life, right? Um, and so God blessed her in that way. Uh, how, how old would Isaac be right now? 36-ish. 36-ish, yeah. Yeah, because she was, I think, 90 when she became pregnant. Um, so maybe 36, maybe 37, I, you know, depending on... The timing of things. Um, yeah, and so Isaac now is right around, you know, mid to upper 30s. Um, and what's significant um, about this passage is that Sarah is actually the only woman in Scripture who, who we get an age at death recorded to us. Um, no other woman in Scripture does, do we have this. Why do you think that is? And we get plenty of men, you know, so-and-so lived to this age, and 
he begot so and so, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a chart. It's like a chart. Yeah, it's like a gauge. She was here bearing. Now she's here dying. Yeah. And in between that barren and dying age, there was a son. And so it's like a gauge of how old the son, and that she got to live to see him be that age. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, how many women at 90 have children and get to see them grow up to be men? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many women at 90 have children? <laughs> exactly. So it, it is, it's a gauge. I think it's given as a as a marker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it also speaks to the importance of Sarah as well. Mm-hmm. And and the importance of motherhood. Um, and all that entails, um, you know, our society today we, we tend to downplay the role of motherhood, really the role of parents in general, um, but the, the role of motherhood uh, and how important that is. Uh, why do you think we do that? Focus on self. Focus on self? Well, and also because... The role of motherhood is God ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, children need both mother and father. Obviously, Isaac needed the influence of a, a mother in his life, not just a father. Yeah. That, that would be a hardship for the father, the son. Mm-hmm. But um, society today diminishes God's glory and his plan. And so if you can disparage the role of mother and father, well, we disparage children, actually, for that matter. But yeah. if you can just, the family unit as a whole, if you can disparage that, you take the image of what was intended for. Be yeah. fruitful and multiply and be good stewards and... You know, what God said in creation. Yeah. Much of society today disregards the word of God, so it's like, well, you know, what would it matter? You know, that's how things grow, and yet we gotta live back. Yeah. And I would say, especially specifically here in America, our focus is on independence, you know, about what we can, you know, lift ourselves up by our own bootstraps, you know, not being dependent on anybody. Yeah. And so, you know, the concept of motherhood and, and the, you know, the mother's role in, in your life kind of goes counter against that. The children are hurting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They call it liberation, you know, the, libera- the movement. Liberation yeah. Movement. Liberation movement. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because you know, especially within I would say the past hundred years, there's been a a move away from uh, just kind of the celebration of motherhood as well. Um, yeah, we have Mother's Day, and so we, but you know that's one day a year, but the the fact that you know, God has called each and every one of us to a purpose in this life. And when God calls us to a purpose, typically that purpose will come with sacrifices that need to be made. Um, and whether you're it's a mother or a father, there's going to be sacrifices that need to be made for the well-being of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, yet what we have done in our society is, like a lot of you said, is we have elevated the self above all other things. And so we now worship ourselves. Well, if we're going to worship ourselves, then we can't be sacrificing ourselves to the good of others. Um, and one of the ways that works out is we, we now downplay the role of motherhood um, and actually, uh, the, the way, you know, if you, uh, speak with some of the modern feminists, um, you know, they, they will talk about how, you know, motherhood's used to enslave women or, um, that's the type of language that they will use, um, where that's, that's totally not the case. Um, they see it as oppression. They see it as oppression where it's actually a gift from God. Um, And so what God has deemed as good, they've twisted and and they call it evil. Um, And that's really a shame. And so as we go through these stories and and we see some of these women being honored, we should highlight those things Um, because... We need to retrain ourselves as a society, as a people, that, you know, motherhood's good, fatherhood's good, having children is good. Um, It's a blessing from God. Um, Yeah, there's sacrifices involved, but, you know, that's what Christ calls us to. He calls us to a life of sacrifice. Um, And a lot of times we think, well, well, sacrifice can't be good, but but it is good. Sacrifice is good for us. Um, In many ways. I I personally don't like Mother's Day, you know, as a declared holiday. Uh Because it becomes obligatory in some respects to some people. It it is burdensome, both to a mother who isn't remembered or a child who refuses to remember. And it's almost like a false sacrifice by the <laughs> nation to, yeah. to make up for quote unquote. And I don't I, I think Mother's Day is just a contrived It it is in some sense. I don't I don't know the history behind Mother's Day or who came up with it first. Um, I'm sure they had great intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, I love my mom. Let's let's have a whole day about her. I think Hallmark had a Hallmark had some 
Hall, did Hallmark create it? Some women who, who can't be mothers. Like, you know, I, yeah. Both of my sisters can't have children. Yeah. And so Mother's Day, for me, it, it's, it's odd because mm-hmm. you want to celebrate them yeah. if they're unable to, unable to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who came up, if it was Hallmark or if it was someone else. But, no, uh, I think it was probably somebody else to do, or well, you know, somebody that was trying to say, let's do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we have Father's Day and all sorts of holidays. Day. Grandparents' Day. And, yeah. Sweetest. Sweetest Day, yeah. Yeah, we already have Valentine's Day. Why do we need Sweetest Day? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, because we can sell more stuff. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back to our passage. Um, so, the other thing we see here is Abraham is mourning Sarah. What? Why is it significant that Abraham mourn mourns Sarah in the way that he does? Yeah. Uh, looking forward, but he doesn't want to just discard her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's not young either. So this took energy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely took energy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of re- reminded of uh, in the past uh, how many times he would go to a foreign land and be deceptive about uh, his relationship to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, Sarah. But uh, now here at the, at the end, he uh, you know, um, asked for you know, the property and you know, his, his, you know, he, he finally you know, gives her her full due, so to speak, yeah. in uh, you know, trying to bury her properly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does it mean in verse 2? It says, And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? She was in a tent or, uh, you know, uh, like we would call a funeral today. Mm-hmm. And, and generally there's a time for just the family to meet together. To yeah. Sounds like that might have been the case here that she was laid aside in human hands where she was <coughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, it could just be her deathbed. Um, yeah. We don't know all the customs that they had back then um, for for the dead, um, but it. But there is this sense where, um, you know, it, she, she might just be laying in her own bed. Um, maybe they prepared a special tent for her. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, but, it, but it does say that he, he goes in to mourn um, and to weep for her. Um, 
Why, why is it so important that we mourn and that we weep for our loved ones? It's a process. Closure. Closure. Yeah. Acknowledge how important they were. Yeah. Even the time you deal with her, her grandma passing away, she's there not having service for her, or she's going to be cremated, and that's it. So and that's it. She has to say goodbye. And yeah. It's yeah. important to her. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a type of healing and catharsis that comes from mourning and weeping, isn't there? Um, and of usually getting together with individuals that cared mm -hmm. for the lost woman, sharing both mourning and grief and history, you know, yeah. time. It also underlines our humanity and our finite nature of life, yeah. Yeah, I think there's something about funerals um, that, that are unlike any other time in our lives uh, that, that can speak to us because he, here we have the dead right before us um, and it's, you know, it's someone we love, it's someone that we cared for deeply and, and we're going to miss, but it's also symbolic for us as well, uh, showing us our own mortality. Um, and it's something that we need to face. Um, and, and, yeah, and so it's, it's an important thing. It, it's yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's that expression: you really don't know how to live until you know how to die. <laughs> yeah. Once you're prepared for death, then you're more equipped to live appropriately. Yeah. 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 Um, we are running out of time here, so I'll we'll we'll finish there today. Um, and we'll, we'll pick things back up next week. Uh, but any thoughts or questions before we close in prayer? All right, let's, let's bow our heads. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you just for your word and how powerful it is, Lord. We thank you for things like genealogies and... Uh, even special mention of Sarah and Rebecca today, um, just the importance of, of women, the importance of motherhood. Um, Lord, and we, and we thank you just for uh, the, the way that Abraham weeped over his wife and, and the mourning that took place and uh, how important that is as well. Lord, we are finite creatures. We are uh, dependent upon you. 
And we need to, each one of us, come to the realization that that death will come to each and every one of us eventually. And um, so what does that mean for us? Where is our hope? Um, yet our hope comes through this lineage that we see here in Genesis, through Sarah, through Rebecca, all the way down the line through your son, Jesus Christ, who, who is the resurrection and the life. And so it is in him that we look to and find hope. And we thank you for that. We pray these things in his name. Amen.